Hello, and welcome to the Modern Medical Miracles Podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm currently a pre-med student at Utah Valley University. I love people, and talking to others about medicine and faith are a couple of my favorite topics. This podcast contains interesting medical stories, modern-day miracles in medicine, and an applicable scripture of the day. Please enjoy, and if you have a cool medical story, a modern-day miracle, or anything else to share, send me a message at medicalmiraclespodcast.com at gmail.com. I want to start by saying that I love psychology. Um, That goes along with my love for people and interacting with people. When I was at Arizona State, I did school there for a year before I transferred to Utah Valley University, UVU. And I took an anthropology class, fell in love with just the study of cultures and the study of human behavior, which eventually led me to change my major to psychology when I got here to UVU. And I've loved the the combination of both the psychology classes along with the physical sciences, the life sciences. It's been interesting to study both of those, to study human behavior and to study life in general and biology from those two perspectives. And uh, I think that sometimes the hardest medical challenges that we go through can can be mental. They can be psychological. Uh, and in my abnormal psychology class this semester, we were studying and learning a lot about uh, schizophrenia and different psychiatric and psychotic disorders. And really, psychology in general as a field is pretty new, especially when I'm comparing it to medicine and biology, study of life. Psychology is a relatively new field, and there's a lot that we don't know. We have theories for things. There's been studies who say, oh, well, we think this is right, but we don't know a whole lot um, and with my my background of wanting to go to med school and being pre-med, I enjoy uh, the perspectives of biopsychologists who try to explain these different uh, psychotic disorders and psychiatric conditions through neurology or through through biopsychology. Um, but when we were discussing schizophrenia and those things in specific in my abnormal psychology class this semester, we, my professor emphasized that point of like, this is what we think happens, but there's not really a cure. There's not really a fix to those things, which is really hard for a lot of people. I can't imagine getting diagnosed with something that doesn't have a fix. I mean, it's like cancer really. And I found this article um, that was posted at the beginning of April in 2001, the beginning of this month, that connected some research that was done with mice and showed that mice with hallucination-like behaviors uh, revealed insight into how those psychotic conditions and psychotic illnesses exist in us as humans which is pretty groundbreaking. Um, obviously, I think it's enough to call that a miracle. But the study uh, was done, and it uh, it just shows that 
with our understanding of how the mouse mind functions and mouth functions, we're able to understand our own mind. In this study, they uh, put mice into a, a kind of game or a kind of maze and they they monitored them in this maze they would um, throughout the challenge or throughout the game they would mimic hallucinations most of them were auditory hallucinations and so the mice and then they also did it with people they um, stimulated them with like a clicking sound or something that wasn't really there, but it was just a background noise. And then they rated how confident they'd felt. Um, and I, this is the people, they, they rated the people and how confident they were in hearing or identifying that sound. And the mice indicated their confidence by how long they waited for a reward. And so um, with this study, the kind of conclusions of it, and it has been theorized that the brain chemical dopamine uh, has played a large role in hallucinations and in people who are experiencing those positive uh, psychosis disorders. But they, they were able to identify that these dopamine changes in the brain circuits are really what are producing the hallucinations. It's just more evidence to support that theory because both the, the game... Uh, that they were able to to have the mice and the humans play. And then with mice, they also gave them a, a drug that increased dopamine levels. They gave them ketamine, which is a known hallucinogen that can trigger psychotic episodes in healthy people. And so then by observing the behaviors in mice, they really make connections to behaviors in people. Um, and the dopamine circuit that we have in our brains. And the, the behaviors were similar, and so that's why they're drawing these connections and why it supports the whole dopamine hypothesis. Um, the researchers were quoted saying, there seems to be a neural circuit in the brain that balances prior beliefs and evidence, and the higher the baseline level of dopamine, the more you rely on your prior beliefs. So we think that hallucinations occur when this neural circuit gets unbalanced, and antipsychotics rebalance it antipsychotic drugs essentially block the receptors in the brain uh, that dopamine triggers. And so you're able to balance out the dopamine in the brain um, so that people don't have these hallucinations or the, the confidence in things that aren't actually happening. They finished the article by saying, our computer game probably engages that same circuit. So hallucination-like events reflect this circuit imbalance. We're very excited about this uh, computational approach to studying hallucinations across species that enable us to finally probe the neurobiological roots of this mysterious experience. And so with this article, and I think research moving forward, uh, with the fact that we're understanding a lot more about the neurobiological roots of mental illness, I think it will help us increase our understanding as, as a community uh, in what these people might be going through. In the meantime, back to my abnormal psychology class, with not knowing and not understanding about what these people really are going through who have these mental illnesses, and I think this can be brought in just even beyond psychotic disorders, because we don't have perfect understanding 
uh, there's not really any place for us to to judge them or to say I know how you feel or to uh, helping them is is really difficult I think in trying to solve the problem at least. Um, so what do we do in the meantime? And I think it goes back to um, a scripture in First John is a scripture that I think about, but the principle of loving others is really what I'm getting at is we, if we don't understand people, we really have to, to love them regardless of what we're judging them as or what we're thinking about. Cause with our own perspective, we can't fully understand the perspective of somebody else, even if they aren't going through mental illness. Right. I can't fully understand my wife's perspective because I'm not her. And so ultimately everything just goes back to, well, we just have to love and respect everyone and, and do our best to do that. Concerning mental illness, I think there is a spirit of fear that's associated with that. Um, lots of people who have schizophrenia and psychotic disorders end up homeless and um, growing up, at least socially, the you really just didn't talk to those people or you tried to avoid those people or if uh, you crossed the street, you know, to avoid having to interact with them. And so we need to get rid of that. And in first John, what I was referencing earlier, chapter four, verse 18, it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if we are afraid of these people, if we're afraid of these disorders, if we're afraid of grappling with them and, and trying to understand them, then we don't have love for these people. And first John goes on in the remaining of the chapter, it says, we love him talking about uh, Christ because he first loved us. And I know that Christ does love each of us individually, no matter what we're going through. He has that perfect love. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. And I would add in just connecting the two verses together. If a man say, I love God and feareth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. So how can we have true faith and love for a God who, who we can't know perfectly? And I don't say that to be cynical. I say that because like the scripture says, we haven't seen God. I know that God's there, but I don't know, quote unquote, that God's there. Like I know, quote unquote, that uh, my wife is here. That my parents live in Arizona, right? Like I, I don't know God the way that I know the other people in my life. And so if we work to to really know, quote unquote, these people with mental illness and to love them regardless of, of what our preconceptions are, then we can have a greater love for God. And we can share with these people the love that God has for them. Thank you so much for listening. 
Once again, if you have a cool medical story, a modern day miracle, or anything else to share, send me a message at medicalmiraclespodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.